Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we'll see how much voice the Lord gives me that will determine the length of the sermon. I imagine there are a lot of people in the same boat that the Dion family has been in, but we've been passing around something. I don't know what it is, but it had it had fevers and it had congestion and and I I think we're on the back end of it, but um anyway, fun times. But it, it it's like twice a year I get up I get up in the pulpit and it's like I hope I don't cough through this the whole sermon. Twice a year I have that tickle cough, and this is the Sunday this year where I have that. So <clears throat> we'll see. I've got water over there, but I was told by my one of my pastor mentors that it's weak to drink water when you preach. So I don't, out of respect for his foolish opinion. <laughs> All right, Philippians 4. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be anxious for nothing. It's December 31st. We're on the verge of a new year. We mark things by this, you know, by the changing of days. And I want, to, I want to exhort us concerning anxiety. And I'll ask some questions to um, have you reflect. How was your 2023 as far as this command of Scripture? Be anxious for nothing is the command. Be anxious for nothing. Now, the, the command is not, you know, be thoughtless about everything feel nothing, you know, it, it, but it is be anxious for nothing. Was 2023 riddled with anxiety or were you sanctified so that you approached all the, the vicissitudes of life with less or even no anxiety? I mean, it, it, 
for us, you know, I think of James chapter 3, and it says that it's the perfect man who bridles its tongue. And I think it's the even more perfect man who never has anxiety. You know, it is difficult, very difficult to bridle the tongue. You know that, right? Yes. It is also hard to bridle the heart when it is anxious. And yet, here is the call of God to you, be anxious for nothing. God is saying that to you today, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. There's... There is one thing you and I do a lot of that has never brought, as Spurgeon says, any grist to the mill, and that's worry and be anxious. It's never brought any good product, right? Here's what Spurgeon said, have you, you who are in the habit of worrying and fretting, ever made any profit by doing so? How much a year do you think that anybody would give you for all your fretting? How much has it brought you in? Come, brother, if it is a good business, I would like to go into a partnership with you. But I should like first to know something about your profits. As I look at your face, I notice that it is careworn and anxious. That does not seem to indicate that the business is a profitable one. If I listen to your speech, I hear you murmuring a great deal instead of praising God. That does not seem to be a profitable concern. In fact, as far as I have ascertained, either by my own experience or by the observation of others, I have never discovered that anxiety has comforted anybody or that it has brought any grist to the mill or any meal to the barrel. Well, if a thing does not pay, what is the good of it? It is never paid off, right? And we're not talking about, you know, it's, it's good to be nervous before you perform because it just makes your mind, it's just, you know, the acuity of mind comes with We're not talking about nervousness, right? Or, you know, we're talking about, that worry, that, that just, that heaviness of spirit where you're mulling things over, never taking them to the Lord, that sort of, that anxiety that many of us wear as a garment every day. Another, <clears throat> another very important passage on worry is Matthew 6. These are the words of Jesus who never worried, who was not an anxious man, but bore the sins of the world and bore the wrath of the Father, and yet he was never anxious. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink for your body, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than birds? God is telling you you're worth much more than birds. 
We love birds. Some people bird watch. Not everybody. Some people do. We do because Sarah has put 14 bird feeders in our backyard. It's great. And the older I get, the more I love it. I love looking at birds. The, the time has come. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but God, God has his eyes set not on the birds. He has his eyes set on his children. You, men, women, children. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Is that really what we're doing, is trying to add an hour to our life when we're worrying? Stop and think about it. The the things you worry about, you feel as if they're a threat to your life. Right? And so it is, in a sense, what we're trying to do, and we're worrying, and, and maybe the worry will take us passed into another hour of life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, all the food, all the clothing, all the shelter, all the everything you need to stay alive will be added to you. Now what gets you anxious? Everybody, everybody has a sort of different grid for anxiety, and it's amazing the absurd things that, that we get anxious about, isn't it? It's embarrassing to tell what you actually are anxious about, isn't it? I mean, if we, we, could, if we went and just shared, if, we opened up, if I opened up the floor and we shared, there'd be some weird things that you guys, not phobias, I'm not talking about that, spiders are scary, right? But but the things that just weigh on your heart and that you mull over in your head and like, how in the world are we going to deal with this? <clears throat> there are normal things we worry about, but what are the absurd things that you worry about? In, in Toledo, Ohio, it was my basement flooding. I was absolutely obsessed about my basement flooding. Any time it started to sprinkle, I got anxious about that basement. And if a thunderstorm came along, it was like full-out panic attack. I mean, I, I was anxious. I could not let that go. Sarah could tell stories about my anxiety. We're bailing. We've got like three pumps submerged, and we, we're still pulling water out of it into anything we can get into it. And twice it did, it did flood a little bit, but it was a lot of work. And I just, I was so fearful of it that this house, this old house we had, would get damaged beyond something that we could do with. And then what do I do as a father, right? What, how do I, are, we can't afford to move, we can't afford to renovate, all these things. So it's like, oh man, and then this cascading anxieties would come upon me. <clears throat> and I like thunderstorms. 
I wanted to be able to enjoy a thunderstorm, and I could not, you know? What, it is, what, it, what is it now for you like that? Um, I think one of, the, one of the burdens we live with today is a society that is racked with fear, okay? Christians should not be racked with fear, but we live in a society that is right now freaking out about everything, right? Right? Um, and then we come along and we read all the headlines, we read all the headlines and we're like, okay, there's 45 other things that I got to worry about. My children can't do this and they can't put their hands in certain places and, and new diseases and, you know, suddenly deer have this wasting disease that's going to make it into the human population. I mean, it's constant fear. And so what do they turn to? They don't turn to the living God. They turn to technology. They turn to technology. They turn to Elon Musk and Ray Kurzweil to fix these problems. Here's a list of headlines from my Apple News feed just yesterday. The first one was Trump. <laughs> well, that's a microaggression just saying the name. Right? Massive rogue waves on California coastline. Right? And then Gaza and Israel and warfare and food running out, right? And water, not having no running water. Mount Everest apparently is in trouble, okay? I don't know. I, most of the, I can't get in, I don't buy the subscription, so all I see is the headlines, right? Mount Everest is in trouble. An unhealthy gut can affect your brain. True, okay? That is true. Take care of your gut health. It comes from a Crohn's disease guy. Ten billion crabs suddenly vanished from the Bering Sea. Not one million, ten billion. You know what sort of cascading effect that's going to have on the food chain? Dream kitchen trends people regret. So you can't, even, you can't even avoid anxiety when it comes to renovating your house, right? The wealthiest Californians are fleeing the state. That, that is true, and that does increase our anxiety. <laughs> Celine Dion has lost control of her muscles. She has this, you know... I don't, it's called like a, she's freezing like a statue, right? Taco Bell adds new snack chip burrito, right? That's anxiety inducing. Popular asthma inhaler is leaving pharmacy shelves. Winter illness this year is a different kind of ugly. A firefighter's wife sounds alarm on toxic gear. New NASA AI tool shows how climate change might affect your very street. This year's most extreme weather shows what a warming planet is capable of and what is to come. We are all held, being held hostage by passwords. Did you know that you needed to feel angst 
about passwords. I suddenly now know that I, I have to. It's probably white supremacist to use passwords. And I'm not even joking. Everything, everything is fear-mongering. Do you see it? An incurable disease is coming for deer. Eight longevity experts share their best advice for creating healthy habits that can help you age well. Everybody's afraid to die. And all of these things. And, and we take it in. We laugh about it. But, but brothers and sisters, we, we take it in. We see these headlines. I see you on your phones. I'm on my phone. We do. We're all, we always... Have you ever gotten that question? It's, um, <clears throat> where do you get your news from? Right? Christians are like looking for a source of news that's not like wackadoodle. You know? And there aren't any. Okay? They're all wackadoodle. Right? Because the only thing people pay attention to is something that, that, that takes their breath away, that creates this sort of anxiety, right? And so we go through these things and we think, oh, it's, that's absurd, that's absurd, that's absurd. But it's actually, it's actually getting into your heads and it's creating a, a view of the world for you. And, and, and it's creating an orientation in you that is, you must be afraid. You must be afraid. They're so, we're so fragile. Everything is just on the tipping point before it's going to break. I mean, the, the moon apparently is moving farther away from the earth. Right? Solar flares. Going to destroy the electrical grid. Well, here's something I wrote about a decade ago. And it's dated, and it's interesting, the things that I listed in there that were anxieties 10 years ago. Civilian airliners disappear from radar not to be found, or they're shot, at, shot from the sky by missiles. Ebola virus spreads to such an extent that it looks like it will be coming across the Atlantic soon. Violent gang members cross the border into the United States. Terrorists strategize to bring biological or chemical attacks to an American city. H1N1, right? We don't talk about that anymore. COVID blew that out of the water. Drought, floods, mad cow disease, getting into the food chain, right? Parents, divorce, chikungunya. You guys remember that one? Mosquitoes. You don't want to get bit by a mosquito that is carrying chikungunya. Add it to the list. Hurricanes, coffee gives you cancer this week. But next week it's anti-cancer. And then I wrote, and don't you worry a bit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't fret. Don't worry a bit. God knows, and He is still sovereign, okay? God is sovereign. His throne is still in heaven. Hamas can rage. Israel rages back, and God laughs at the nations. God reigns over all of them, right? The deadly pestilence that touches only the body, 
but the soul is the Lord's. Right? All of the things that <clears throat> I've listed up above aren't worth an ounce of worry. We needn't fear, even as reports come in that Ebola has made it to Atlanta and Greenville and Spartanburg in our neighbor's house. Our souls are safe if in Christ. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will missiles or viruses or the deaths of children to viruses or murders or terrorist attacks or vomiting or wildfires or the, the shifting of the moon or pagan parents or gluten or butter or coffee or cancer or bacteria separate us from the love of God? No. Never. Never. God controls all those things. They are nothing to Him. He doesn't even have to exert any energy to to move all of those things to do His will. And so, no, don't panic. Don't panic. Share your fearlessness with others. Welcome poverty and persecution and hunger and friendlessness and suffering. Not even those things can separate you from the love of Christ. And so we can sleep peacefully. Go read Psalm 127, right? God gives his beloved sleep. We can sleep. Psalm 57.1, Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. We sit in the shadow of his, of his wings, Right? We take refuge there and the destruction just passes by. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Wow. Nothing can touch you. If you are in Christ, you are hidden in Christ. So what makes you anxious? Things that tell you you should be anxious make you anxious. The media makes you anxious. The unknowability of the future makes you anxious. The unbelief in your heart, which says that God is not there and, and is not in control, makes you anxious. And God is, is good to us, not despite what happens in this world. He is good to us now all through and in everything that happens. Do you know that all of history is working to the praise of His glory? Does that not boggle your mind? Because it seems like chaos, right? It seems like it, it makes no sense. It seems like this is all over. And, it's, and we're fools for believing what we do. It just seems like it's over. But it's not chaos for God. He knows all things that come to pass. He lays them out. He ordains them. He knows. He knows. Anxieties are not realities, right? They're not realities. 
Anxieties are anticipations of the future that are not reality and oftentimes do not turn out to be anywhere near reality. Jerry Bridges calls anxiety the opposite of trust in God. There's another thing about anxiety from Spurgeon. Spurgeon puts it this way, Have you not found out yet, I have, that the very anxiety which arises through your being in a difficulty unfits you to meet that difficulty? You are like the servant with the basket of eggs on her head who shakes her head because she is afraid her eggs will fall and makes them fall by the very process of her trembling. Right? That's our anxiety. So what are we to do? What are we to do about this? And, and really my concern is that we live in a society that for some reason is, is motivated and fueled by anxiety. I think it's the, the motivation of most legislation. It's the motivation of most um, activism. It's the motivation of, of most uh, artifice. I mean, everything today is motivated by anxiety, right? And we've got to figure out the way to save everybody, right? Everybody is still looking for a savior. Do you realize that? Everybody wants a savior. Most today think it it is technology that will mitigate all of these things and will lead to a peaceful future. But technology invented by man will be tainted by man. But what are we to do? What are we to do? We don't turn away from God. We don't turn toward our own power, which is not power at all. It's just weakness. We turn toward and remind ourselves constantly of God and His works, right? We are constantly to remind ourselves of God and His work in our lives. How easily we forget the loving words of our Heavenly Father. Psalm 94, 19, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. What does that mean? When these anxious thoughts come, come up, the psalmist is saying, well, then, then my delight, my, the, my freedom from that comes in contemplating Almighty God. Almighty God. There's a God who superintends everything that happens. We need a good dose of just straight-up Calvinist, Puritan, God is sovereign. You know, there is a God. He has laid out everything that comes to pass down to the most insignificant falling out of your hair. What are some of the consolations that God gives to us other than Him being the sovereign King? He's a father who pities His children. He's compassionate toward us. He has pity on us. He's not, he's not fear-mongering. He's not trying to get us to be afraid of the next thing. He pities us. 
He pities us and he, he consoles us. He, he tells us he will never leave us or forsake us. He's, he's dealt with our major problem, which was the sin he hated. It's been removed from us as far as east is from west. And he has told us he is strong to save, right? There is no, you, you, God saves you, you are saved, he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and we think, ooh, man, that fight doesn't seem to be going well. Not even a sword can separate us from the love of God in Christ. He, God tells us he bends low to hear our prayers. Do you realize that? It's so crazy how prayerless you are. You have the ear of Almighty God. You have the ear of the one who right now observes the farthest part of the universe. You have his ear. He has heard the prayers of his saints who were in worse circumstances than us by far, and he has has blessed them. He is sovereign and nothing happens apart from his will. Now, Matthew 6, again, to go back there a little bit, what do we learn about God's work for us there? No one can serve two masters, this is 624, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he says, look at the birds, and then promises that he will give all these things that cause anxiety, food, clothing, shelter, all the means of staying alive, God will provide if we pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. We don't need to worry about the fact that that the solar flares are going to kill Iowa's crops. God has promised to feed his children. It's a radical confidence in the, in the sovereign God that the Christian should have, right? A radical confidence. We don't have to figure all these things out. Yeah, we can respond to them and we, can, we, we want to care and we want to... Technology has a place in all that. I'm not being anti you know, I'm not calling for, uh, I'm not calling us to be Amish, right? But I am calling us to trust God. He knows. He knows what's going on. He has brought it about. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So you can't just say, well, I'm, I'm just not going to worry about it, right? All those things that you had in your mind earlier, perhaps you've just said, well, this year I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to worry about those things. That won't work, okay? That is just to sweep it out and seven demons will come in and take root and you'll be worse off than before. You can't willpower your, your anxiety away. You, you actually have to... Pack your brain full of good theology. You have to counteract worry with the method laid out in Scripture. And the first part of that is 
to continually remind yourself of the power of God. There is nothing impossible for Him. He can bring about His will in what seems to us chaos, a chaos of bad things. He's not confused by all the confusion about us. He's ordained it. He's ordained the things in your life that cause you to want to scream and hide and run in fear. He's ordained those things. He knows about them. He's not ignorant of anything you're going through right now. He knows about it. He's given it to you. And... Yeah, it's hard. But that's much better than if God didn't know about it and it was on your plate. And so here's here's what we do according to Philippians 4, the passage we read. We do three things. We must always rejoice, we must always pray, and we must always give thanks. Now, if that can characterize your life in the next year, You'll have made progress against your anxiety, I, I guarantee you, right? I, I know it will <clears throat> happen because God has promised it here in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And, and you know, the anxious never have a gentle spirit, do they? When you have an anxious spirit, are you gentle? When I have an anxious spirit, my words get really hard. When a society gets anxious, what do they resort to? Violence, right? It's gentleness of spirit is, it, you can't be anxious and gentle of spirit. They are antithetical. Be anxious for nothing. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so God in His Word has laid out a plan for you to get rid of that constant companion anxiety. This is a command with a promise. The opposite of anxiety is to have the peace of God guarding your heart and mind continually. But anxiety is when your heart is open, right? It's open to all those fearful things that can just come in and twist you around. Peace comes when you cast your burdens upon the Lord. Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Psalm 55, 22. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That's what he says to you. That's what he says to you, whatever your anxiety is. He's saying that to you right now. He will never allow you to be shaken if you cast your burden upon him. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So there it is again, that casting, that casting of a burden, that cast your burden upon the Lord. And very specifically, Philippians 4 gives us three things we are to do that will provide and prove that we are casting our burdens and anxieties upon the Lord. One, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Rejoice. If you have to get up in the morning and remind yourself that God is sovereign, find a psalm that reminds you of that. And you, you may, especially if 
if things seem to be falling apart and chaotic, remind yourself that God knows. Remind yourself. Find a psalm. Memorize a psalm that says God rules over the nations and, and just rejoice in it. But, but too often we, we rejoice in Netflix and reels and new episodes and material wealth and relationships with other people and the things of the world. That's where we rejoice. Oh, the new episode's out. Hey, I'll have something to do this evening. Oh, we're pathetic. Guys, I'm pathetic. I'm pathetic. When I say you're pathetic, I always mean I'm pathetic. Okay? Please. Please. We are pathetic. The things we rejoice in, the things we live for are so pathetic. Right? But, but here we have this feast of rejoicing in the Lord that's available to us all the time. We could be meditating on His glories. We could be searching the Word. We could be singing praises and hymns. And yet, you know, the new episode's out. our joy in the Lord? Do we rejoice in Him? So much competition for your affections today, no? And all those things that are competitive are just aligned together to make you, make you anxious. Do you not realize that what you consume is giving you in, instructions in what you rejoice in? What you consume is telling you what to rejoice in. And if you're consuming the Word of God, it's undeniably true that you should be rejoicing in the Lord. Okay? If it is not the Lord, it is a competitor to the Almighty God who has been infinitely kind and merciful to you. And then second, so rejoice. You've got to rejoice. That's, that's the first job of casting your anxieties on the Lord is like, when you're, when you're just racked with rejoicing, you got to find something, even if it's just jello, right, that you can rejoice for. I, yeah, I prepped for a colonoscopy recently, so jello was awesome. It really was. But, you know, rejoice. God provided for you, and then rejoice in Him, right? In Him. Take everything back to Him. But then pray. Pray. And of course, that's what everybody says when you're anxious. Well, you got to pray. Well, you know, I don't know how to exhort us to pray in a manner that would actually get us to pray. I think our theology is broken in what I talked about initially about God being sovereign. And the reason we don't pray is because we just don't think God has power. That He isn't fully sovereign. That He is distant and doesn't care. So it's not that maybe He doesn't have the power. It's just that He's got better things to do than listen to my prayers. That's not at all the impression that the Scriptures give, right? That's not at all what He's, he's told us about prayer. He, he calls us to pray, and so we need to actually pray. Calvin said, For we are not made of iron, so as not to be shaken by temptations. But this is our consolation. This is our solace. To deposit or to disburden 
into the bosom of God everything that harasses us. I love those words, right? To disburden everything into the bosom of God. That's what we do in prayer. We're disburdening ourselves of all this disease. Putting it in God's lap. All that anxiety, all that thing, all that stuff that, that is harassing us. Confidence, it is true, brings tranquility to our minds, but it is only in the event of our exercising ourselves in prayers. Whenever, therefore, we are assailed by any temptation, let us betake ourselves forthwith to prayer as to a sacred asylum. Get to prayer. Have you disburdened yourself in prayer? Are you anxious? Have you, have you gone to prayer and it's like, okay, we're going to do some surgery now, and it's like self-surgery, and you're cutting yourself open, and you're pulling out the anxiety, and you're throwing it on God's lap. This is the only way to combat your anxieties. Prayer, casting your cares upon a God who is not at all confused by the things that are happening. And knows why. May not tell you why, but he knows why. And then finally, give thanks. So we, we rejoice in the Lord. We disburden our anxieties and cast them on God through prayer. And then we give thanks, right? And that is the way we resign ourselves to the will of God who knows better than us what is good for us. Right? If we're able to give thanks in and for all things that come to pass, then we're resigned to the will of God. And when you're resigned to the will of God, you're no longer anxious. You're just resigned to the will of God. Calvin, again, with thanksgiving, as many often pray to God amiss, full of complaints or of murmurings, as though they had just ground as though they had just ground for accusing him, while others cannot brook delay if he does not immediately gratify their desires, Paul on this account conjoins thanksgiving with prayers. It is as though he had said that those things which are necessary for us ought to be de desired by us from the Lord in such a way that we nevertheless Subject our affections to his good pleasure and give thanks while presenting petitions. And unquestionably, gratitude will have this effect upon us, that the will of God will be the grand sum of our desires. The will of God. If we can give thanks in and for all things... Do these things in your heart and your mind will be guarded. Put down the phone, dear brothers and sisters. It's not the source of truth. It's not. God's word is the source of truth. Be in there praying. Detach yourself from the, the world that's in a frenzy. The world that is, that is stoking fears. The world that has no firm foundation at all. Detach yourself from that, right? Rejoice in God, pray to God, give thanks to God. And last thing I will say is this. Don't believe what our culture's therapeutic take on anxiety is. That, it, that it's something that 
you have to live with. Now, God tells us in his word that we can cast our burdens upon him. And he exhorts us to be anxious about nothing. Okay? We can disburden ourselves from anxiety. But it is work. Okay? It's real work, but God tells us the work we're supposed to do. He just told us. Rejoice in God is a lifestyle, right? Pray to God. Set down the phone, tablet, computer. Talk to God. He wants to hear you speak to him. He delights to hear his children speak to him. Okay? And then give thanks to God. This is God's will for you in Christ, right? Give thanks. This will distinguish you from every unbeliever in the world if you give thanks. Just give thanks for for everything. Give thanks. Can you give thanks for something every day this year? You know, try it, try it. I mean, that's a really low bar. <laughs> but can you verbalize it to others, like to do that so that, so that it's part of this process of disburdening yourself from your anxieties? Give thanks, praise God in the midst of other people, do so. And then anxiety can be cast out in the peace of God, this promise in here. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I hope this coming year, our hearts and our minds become more and more and more enjoying of that peace that comes through these means. But you have to rejoice, you have to pray, you have to give thanks. Like, really do it. If not, you're going to be trapped in your anxieties. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we do rejoice in you, our God. You, we, we do ask that you would forgive us for how we diminish you in our thoughts. We, we avoid the word. We listen to our culture's messages. And, and you, you begin to be weak in our minds. And, Father, that is the worst blasphemy. And so, Father, we pray that we would rejoice in you and all of your glory, that our minds would meditate on your, your eternity, your immensity, your eternal glory, your compassion, your kindness, your love. And, Father, I pray that we would give ourselves over to this disburdening sort of prayer that we would cast our anxieties upon you. And Lord, we do ask that you would not grow weary of us casting those anxieties. You have told us to do it, and we shall do it. But be merciful to us. And Father, then work in us thanksgiving, a, a resolution to, to accept and know and rejoice in your will, no matter how difficult and without understanding we have. Oh, Lord, and give us this peace. May the coming year be a year of growing in peace, setting off our anxieties, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.